I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. Have you ever seen the 2002 science fiction film Minority Report starring Tom Cruise? In the film, Cruise plays a police officer who works with the pre-crime program. You see, they used three clairvoyant humans who received psychic impressions of an impending homicide. Those images were sent to the pre-crime unit who would then arrest the would-be murderers. Technology being used to predict crimes, a sort of psychic surveillance program. 22 years after that movie hit theaters, Nashvillians are faced with the implementation of something slightly similar. Fusis is a technology that's purported to help Metro Police solve and prevent crime. The technology is already in place here in Nashville, and an increased budget will help MNPD integrate more public camera footage and private surveillance footage into their investigations. Now, some Nashvillians aren't too sure that the effects of more surveillance will be positive. Opponents believe this technology will lead to increased profiling and arrests within marginalized communities. Reminiscent of the debate about license plate readers, locals have mixed feelings whether the technology will be helpful or harmful. I'd like to introduce my guest for the hour. Delicia Porterfield is council member at large for Metro Council. She's joined by Reverend Davy Tucker, pastor of Beach Creek Missionary Baptist Church, executive director of the Human Relations Commission, and former guest of the show. Thanks to you both for being here today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. And uh, now, council member Porterfield, break it down for us. How would you explain what Fusis is for someone who's never heard of it? So FUSIS is a um, it's a system of technology or a platform that allows MMPD to have multiple uh, systems integrated in one. So um, if you think about like if you had four different computer screens up or four different laptops and they're all running a different program, FUSIS would have that uh, on one screen, they would have all of those programs like integrated in one and it allows MMPD to access camera footage from uh, individuals or businesses that have opt in to allow MMPD to, to use their footage so they can uh, tap in and access live camera footage of, of what's happening um, right then and there uh, if they have permission to, to utilize that camera. Okay, so if I have a ring camera, for instance, I can opt in and allow MNPD to access that footage from my home. So for the home footage, it's a little different. Okay. And I want to also clarify this. This is based on information that was given to me from MMPD. And when I toured, uh, when I actually had a, a tour, I was able to, to see the technology and the uses of the technology. So I want to preface this with uh, being a council member. I do not work for MMPD. Okay. <laughs> so I am sharing the information as it was shared to me. So I just want to make sure that that's really clear. Um, but from my understanding, MMPD, if you are a resident and you are opting in, um, if there was a crime in your area, then MMPD can send you a message on this platform to ask to utilize, uh, to see if your camera basically caught any footage of the crime that may have happened in your area. But they would, if you opt in, they would still send you a message asking for permission, then they would, if they, you know, review that footage or need a part of it, they would let you know or you would be notified that, you know, they downloaded part of that ring camera footage. So for the homes, it's not 
watching the way that it is for businesses. Gotcha. For, for businesses, if there was, um, if someone got a crime, if someone got a call, the police got a call that there was um, an incident with um, a gentleman pulling out a gun on someone on such and such street in a blue truck, they're able to look and see what cameras are in that area and they're able to tap into that camera live and they can essentially watch this person as they are traveling and let the nearest police officer know where they are, what direction they're traveling in. Okay. Now, we tried to reach out to Fusis to invite them to be a guest on the show, but as of noon, we have not heard back from them. We did find this clip on YouTube from their company explaining the technology. Let's take a listen. Welcome to Fusis, the industry's first cloud-based, rapidly deployable, real-time crime center. Fusis integrates all major public safety technology investments into a single pane of glass, synthesizing real-time intelligence to enhance first responders' situational awareness and decision-making capabilities. All this information is integrated with the department's 911 dispatch software via a rules-based engine designed to ensure the real-time crime center lives in the hands of agency crime analysts and its field-based users. Setting up Fusis is fast, requires minimal hardware, and has no activation fees. You simply plug a Fusis core into your existing camera or network, and within seconds, the video feed is analyzed, securely encrypted, and transmitted either by an ongoing live stream or on-demand based on an alert. And unlike other systems, video and alert sharing is completely controlled by the donor location. For example, schools may choose to limit video sharing to emergency situations, like an active shooter event. And the camera itself can be shared based on the priority of the call, an associated sharing policy. In an investigation, police can automatically request footage from all nearby businesses at the click of a button and camera owners can securely share recorded as well as live video feeds to aid in the investigation. Incident video and data is stored in a CGIS-compliant vault for investigators. And additional video evidence is easily collected via a pre-configured camera registry map of all the public and private cameras in your region, along with a multimedia tip line for the public. The FUSIS Real-Time Crime Center in the Cloud is a mission-critical hub that enhances the situational awareness and investigative capabilities of law enforcement agencies, keeping officers and community members safer. Okay, well, upon listening to that, my impression is it sounds very nice and glossy. However, I'm, I have questions about the vault of data and how secure that would be. That's what my impressions are. Uh, Reverend Tucker, what are your impressions after you hear that? You know, um, I have to preface it by saying technology will continue to develop. But I think this presents Nashville with another fundamental question about how do we want to or, sh or should we reimagine public safety? Hmm. Um this is still about reacting to something. And everything I've heard, I've not heard anything that would make this proactive. So I'm always concerned about uh, over-surveillance. And I think Nashville needs to determine what's going to be our philosophy for public safety. There are many issues about this that concern me. Um, <clears throat> I think what is happening that 
others have said is that with the onslaught of AI, data becomes the new uh, currency. Mm -hmm. So these companies post this thing, which is kind of Orwellian, you know, uh, on a single pane of glass. But what do we know about what they're doing with all of this data? I would have a problem if they're selling this data. So we buy into this system that, again, it helps in the reaction to crime when we all know that there are some proactive steps that a community can take that would be, um, that would minimize crime. So I think this is a great point and a great place again for Nashville to think about what our shared values are and particularly around um, um, public safety. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it has to be, it must be more than just policing. So, but with the technology, um, if I let you in, I don't know what back doors you have to where, yeah, I signed an agreement that you're going to ask me, but uh, I'm not the most technologically astute person, but it's not beyond the realm of possibility that I can cut your camera on anyway. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's just many, many questions mm-hmm. that, uh, but then again, you look at it in light of we use the fear of law and order when crime rates are down hmm. by by the law enforcement agencies own counting crime rates are down so i think we need to look at and study those things uh, but just to say i'm okay with it or i'm not i don't know if we've had the right discussion uh about it to make sure that it's part of our overall uh, public safety ideology for the city. Now, we reached out to Councilmember Courtney Johnston for comment. And if you're listening and wonder why we couldn't invite her onto the show, Councilmember Porterfield, can you tell us what the rules are about having two or more council members in the same room? Yes. So um, we do have a sunshine laws and it's to protect Um, the business of the city to make sure that everything's happening uh, out in the open. So when we have uh, pending legislation, you can't have two council members in the same place discussing pending legislation outside of a publicly noticed meeting. So it would have to be, uh, that's why when we have all of our council meetings, those things are publicly noticed. We have to put it out within a reasonable amount of time so the public knows what we're going to be discussing and and that you'll have two council members in that place, in the same place. Okay, so so essentially both of you could go to the farmer's market for a meal, you just couldn't talk about business. We could not talk about anything that is current legislation um, or anything that could potentially turn into legislation is what we have been told from our legal team. So we are very prohibited on what we can discuss with other council members. All right. Thank you for that explanation. Uh, Here are some of council member Johnston's comments. Quote, this is not a new contract. What the Metro Council is contemplating currently is an extension of an existing one-year contract until September of this year. In fact, so far, 
our community partners have registered over 1,000 of their cameras. The technology has shown great promise thus far, but MNPD needs an additional year to fully evaluate the long-term efficacy of the service. Near the conclusion of this one-year period, the MNPD plans to provide a public report on the results of the program, end quote. Now, Councilmember Porterfield, I personally didn't know we already had a contract with FUSIS. Did the original contract go through the last council? It did not. Hmm. Why? So council passed legislation that uh, essentially says when we are um, expanding surveillance that has to go before the the council, we have to do a public hearing because we wanted to make sure that the public had the opportunity to weigh in on whether or not they want to be surveilled and and what that means to them Um, and and to some of the points that Pastor Tucker made, like this is a a bigger conversation that we have to have in our city. So that legislation previously was passed. We also have a very... um, complicated, uh, is probably the best word I can think of, process when it comes to procurement. So when departments are procuring a contract, there's a, a, a myriad of things that they're looking through as far as um, if it's a sole source, is it going through one provider? What is the amount of the contract? And based on those entities, they will determine, you know, if this is a contract that goes before council or if it is a contract that the department has the discretion to do on their own. So because it was not over a certain threshold, um, it was, you know, it, it and people can, <laughs> I know how this is going to sound, but it appears as though um, it was not thought that it had to go through the council. Mm-hmm. So this was something that MMPD went in on, you know, on their own and they got it. And when they came for the uh, re-up of the contract, that's when it was flagged by someone who, who saw it and said, hey, this actually needs to go um through the council, and it's my understanding that uh, our director and Metro Legal uh, were the ones that said, "Hey, this actually needs to go before the council. This should not, um, this should not be happening without council weighing in on it." Okay, so where are we at in the process now with council? Is there an, a pending vote on this? Yes. So we have a. Um, I actually reached out to Chief Gilder um, with MNPD, and they will be doing a presentation to the council on Monday, February the fifth. We're going to have a joint committee meeting between Budget and Finance and Public Health and Safety. So we'll have a joint commi- uh, committee meeting, and um, MNPD will present on fuses. The council members will be able to ask questions, which is why I encourage people to email council members um, at uh, councilmembers at national.gov or you can email your council member directly. Uh, but make sure that you're emailing and asking questions, that the questions that you want us to, to get answered for you. Um, and put FUSIS questions in the subject line if you can. But um, during that presentation, we'll get the information from MMPD. And then the next day, uh, well, we'll deliberate it on the floor at that point in time, and we'll take a vote. And depending on how that vote goes will depend on what happens on that Tuesday. So if the if we determine that we want to defer it, maybe we need more information, then it will not be on the agenda on Tuesday. But if we if it does not get a deferral, then it will be on the agenda on Tuesday, uh, February the 6th. And we're going to have a public hearing um, on February the 6th, assuming that it didn't get deferred. We'll have a public hearing where people from the community can come out and speak up about the contract and share their concerns, whether you support it, whether you don't support it, whether you have more questions. But we want to hear from the public on, on how they feel about it. All right. Thank you. Now, Reverend Tucker, you were commenting a little bit earlier about... Uh, being unsure if 
access to one's camera would only be given when it's requested that, you know, the, the authorities, MNPD or FUSIS itself, couldn't go in and activate one's camera unbeknownst to them. Now, here's some other comments from we got from Council Member Courtney Johnston. She says, quote, FUSIS is a video integration service that allows the police department to accept video from community partners who wish to voluntarily collaborate with MNPD by either notifying us that they have surveillance cameras or by voluntarily supplying video access in the event that footage may be needed to solve a crime. Now, for a listener, she underlined voluntarily twice for emphasis. Let's... Let's talk about the voluntary aspect of this. Can you briefly explain that to us, Councilmember Porterfield? Uh, yes. Yeah, so with the FUSIS technology, businesses can sign up for it and they are paying for um, in that video. It talked about there's a. Uh, some some piece of equipment that's that's needed that you actually plug into your camera. So businesses are signing up for it. They purchase this equipment from FUSIS, and that allows the live integration. From that point. Um, you can say is voluntary in the sense that people can restrict access at any point in time. But from that point, your camera is accessible to MMPD. Mm-hmm. So as they are, you know, they get a call come in as they're tracking something and they know where the cameras are around the city. And I heard um, I heard a council member mention a thousand. I was told in the three hundreds, I believe, but I'm trying to fact check that now. Okay. Um, and it could maybe it was 300 with businesses. I'm not sure, but I want to fact check that. But once the the businesses have opted in, MMPD can then if you've opt, opted in for the full integration, because there are two separate entities, you can opt in to more easily share information, share those videos with MMPD, or you can opt in for the full integration. And it's with the full integration that they can just tap into your camera and watch what's happening outside of your business. Okay. Now, listeners, let you know that you will have an opportunity to have some of your questions answered live later this hour. So stay tuned. I'm wondering about pedestrians who may not be aware that they're in front of a camera that, you know, FUSIS is using and that has access to this cloud. It kind of goes into neighborhoods and what individuals want to do since this is a voluntary process. Reverend Tucker, talk to me. Like, does knowing it's voluntary, does that help ease your tensions? Well, again, I think this should be a communal discussion around what are we as citizens willing to get up and give up under this supposed umbrella of increased public safety. But if I could, I want to back up one step that I think has gotten lost in this whole transition that I think has to be addressed when you talk about transparency and accountability. There was an ordinance passed that made it clear that if there was going to be increased surveillance, it was to come back to the council. We're already talking about increasing a contract that was never approved by council. Mm. Yes, you can argue with me that it falls under the threshold in monies or whatever for procurement, but how do you get around the law that says if you're going to increase surveillance, you must come back? But it seems to me that administratively or legally or whatever, that's out the window. Now, conversely, 
others and other groups would be subject to the law. This is fundamental to public safety, public safety that the public agrees that it wants, but also public safety that the public can trust. Now, the fact that our political apparatus is moving on past this is troubling to me, that there's no recourse here, that we're moving on with the conversation of extending this contract when there's been a violation of a metro ordinance in that if there's going to be increased surveillance, it has to come before council. Council, to me, is often the last check and balance of the people, because these are 40 different people elected to be representative of Nashville, that the people felt that it was important enough to put this statue in place. It's been violated. So no harm, no foul. That doesn't play the same way across the board for everybody. And again, if we're not going to talk as a community about what does public safety look like, I don't think we're ever going to get to the point to where a larger percentage of the public feels safe. This is major to me that no one else seems to think even matters, and there's not a recourse. If I violated a law, I think I'm going to be held accountable. And again, I'm not saying that MMPD did this nefariously uh, or any of that. That's not my implication here. Yes, it meets the procurement threshold, but it also violated this idea of increased surveillance without public knowledge. Mm. See, this test has been going on, and we did not know. I I, want to come back to that point. I got to take a quick break. When we come back... We'll discuss the drawbacks of FUSIS as well as some of the benefits. We're going to open up the phone lines in a bit to get your questions. So get ready. Call 615-760-2000 to get through. We'll be right back. Lele Colonna, and this is Nashville. We are talking about FUSIS, this surveillance program that's grabbing a lot of attention in Metro Council and in our neighborhoods. Now, before the break, we were talking about what FUSIS is. Let's continue along with that conversation. And, um, you know, last Monday, there was a Budget and Finance Committee meeting. Councilmember Porterfield, as the chair of that committee, can you walk us through quickly how a bill like this ends up in front of that particular committee first? Yes. So any uh, legislation that has any type of uh, fiscal or financial uh, implication comes before budget and finance. So any 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 legislation that's filed is assigned to a committee based on the type of legislation. So anything with a fiscal note comes to us in budget and finance. Okay. Now we have a clip of that meeting where Dave Rosenberg, who's a former council member and currently serving as the director of data and innovation in Merrill O'Connell's administration. Let's listen. You are recognized. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, The amendment 
uh, seeks to do two things. One of them is to put in a clause that uh, seek or states MNPD's intentions to create policies and procedures around the use of the video sharing prior to it coming back for a full contract in September. And the second piece of it limits the uses of the surveillance uses that are being authorized by the Metro Council under this. There are several that are mentioned in the contract that MNPD has no use in or no interest in using. So this pulls those out and states only that it will be used for the video sharing and then the use of it and the storage of it. So it's used for video sharing. Okay, so from what I understand, Fusis is, is a program that MNPD, I'm sure, will have on traffic lights and cameras throughout the city for individual businesses to potentially opt into and citizens to opt into. Am I right there? Not exactly. Okay. So if a business already has a camera, so think about a gas station Mm -hmm. that may have a camera outside pointing to their parking lot. If that entity, you know, Walgreens, CVS, whatever that entity is, uh, MNPD is approaching those businesses and asking them if they want to sign up for the program. And if they decide they want to sign up, they buy, you know, the piece of technology, they put it in their camera system and once they sign up for it, which I, we did get the numbers, there are one as of this moment because it changes. There's a thousand and seventy-one registered cameras and three hundred and six integrated cameras. So I'm speaking specifically on the integrated cameras. So once you have that um, that Fusis technology integrated within your camera system, the police can then access your camera if they are under certain conditions. Mm. If they are looking for um, um, a, a high level crime in that area. So, and I, and I, when I asked MNPD about when they're using it, it's only if it was. I believe they refer to it as like level four or level five crimes. So they're not using it if it's um, a fight that breaks out on the street. They're not using it for something like that. But if it's something that is a very high level crime, they're using it to track the person. Where can people find the data on the cameras that are el- eligible for use? Um, the they can find the data on connectmetronashville.org. Um, that's the site that gives uh, information for people if they want to sign up. And that also is where they are showing um, how many cameras are in use. This reminds me a lot about the debate for license plate readers. Reverend Tucker, you were on our show to talk about that. How Do you, do you feel like the two are related? Yes. Yes, they are related in that um, data is consistently and constantly conclusive that certain communities are over-policed. The kickback that people say that your um, movie analogy gets at is with inside of law enforcement, these predictability models seem to have a class component to them. Hmm. And... um, so if you're watching me more than you're watching somebody else, that's a problem. And so until, again, the community uh, uh, drowns out this echo chamber from the state and even from quadrants all over this country, we get to decide what kind of community we're going to be. And I think Nashville even has a great opportunity to even be a shining star to the country in some respects of really talking about what public safety means. Now, there have been some inroads with the mental health application to policing, uh, 
those things. But then there's still even some things with that of how you work it out. So, yes, this is another component that, again, based on the report that was submitted from LPRs, what was promised not to happen did happen. I still say my case is the I-65 South intersection at Brentwood is one of the most busiest in this county, and there were no cameras placed there. So here we are now where there was a statue on the books that literally says you cannot increase surveillance without coming back talking to the council. Um, But we're just going to move ahead, which, again, does not build trust in communities where trust is not even present. Mm. So, again, it's just technology. The trust has to be in it. Now, I'm concerned, like a lot of folk are, about the data. Uh, I don't want to be a gatherer of data that's going to allow a company to enrich itself when it sells our data, when it can profit from our data, who has access to this data. Uh, I think those are major, major important questions because, again, this is not a proactive tool. This is a reactive tool. When we also, when we talked with Councilmember Johnston, she felt like they were not related. She says, quote, I'm not going to conflate FUSIS, conflate FUSIS with LPRs. They're two very different things. One thing they have in common is that they're used in interest of public safety and solving crimes. Technically, FUSIS is not increased surveillance. These cameras are already in existence and privately owned. FUSIS is the software that allows the private owner of these existing cameras to notify MNPD of their existence or voluntarily voluntarily supply video access should they need footage to solve a crime, end quote. Now, look, I know solving crimes and public safety are definitely something that I think almost all Nashvillians are going to get behind. The council member Porterfield, tell us as a progressive, do you think like these tools, LPRs and FUSIS are one in the same and are, are they effective? They are extremely related. Um, they're very closely related. Um, when you're using the, the FUSIS technology, if you are looking for someone that, you know, I gave an example earlier of a person in a blue truck, you know, they there are 100 blue trucks that may pass down the street. This gives them the opportunity to get, you know, the make and model and they, you know, are better able to identify the person that they're trying to identify. Well, this ties right in with license plate readers because you need to grab the license plate to do the research to, you know, find out uh, who owns the vehicle and, and things of that nature. So um, I think personally think that they're related. They're, they're both tools that are being used by MMPD. And I think with any tool, tools can be used for good or tools can be used for bad. It depends on how you're using your tools. I get you. What about, you know, the other side's argument that more surveillance can lead to less crime? Does that make sense to either of you? Well, I I would need somebody to present the data that would show that. But also, even if that is so, there's a secondary component to that. What do I, as an individual citizen, have to give up in my reasonable expectations of privacy? Uh, I live in the urban core, so if someone's looking into my backyard, um, should that be okay? I mean, um, what are the potential um, impacts of this? I mean, again, it's just technology, 
and it's going to keep developing. But I think the citizens need to not be uh, pushed into these um, tropes that go on that uh, suggest things that nobody proofs that because uh, law enforcement agencies are saying crime is going down. OK, so you, but you don't have this. So what do I have to give up? And uh, to um, counsel ladies point, um, they're deeply interrelated. They're part in one of the same thing. It is increased surveillance. Here's a tweet we had we received from Forrest Wadsworth. It's in favor of Fusis. It says, quote, this is what could stop package thieves and car burglars as well as help find violent felons. As cheap as cameras are, I wish they had one on every streetlight and telephone pole. The thieves are highly adaptive. They'll find a better profession, end quote. Councilmember Porterfield, how how does that tweet resonate with you? Respectfully, it falls flat. MMPD is not using this for that level of crime. You know, specifically, they said that this will be used in situations that um, they are looking for someone that has um, a a more violent situation, I guess is the the best way that I can describe it, because they said level four and level five. I don't have the definitions of what a level four and level five call is. That's information that I can, you know, try to get so that we can make sure that the public has that. Um, But I do think that that uh, falls flat. I think um, Pastor Tucker hit it on the head. This is something that I say very frequently. We have to address what are the root causes of crime. So instead of investing your money in additional surveillance to survey, to to watch people, you know, what are the investments looking like for affordable housing, workforce development? What are the the investments in education looking like? You you meet people's needs, um, and then you lower crime um, when needs are met. So that that tweet doesn't um, resonate with me, unfortunately. Okay, while we weren't able to get in touch with MNPD to join today's conversation, we do have Deputy Chief Gilder's comments from the Budget and Finance Committee meeting. Let's listen. Um, so what we are in the process of doing is reviewing FUSA's policies from other agencies around the country. Of course, we have to look and make sure that they're compliant with state law, federal law, CALEA accreditation is a big important one. We want to make sure we don't have any conflicts there. Uh, So I don't have a a specific timeline for you. What I can tell you is that uh, we do have general policies uh, that cover uh, information technology, security, and disposition of law enforcement files. Those things are in place, would cover this as well, do cover this as well, so it limits the, the usage uh, of of that uh, information already, um, but we understand the uh, desire to craft a more uh, specific policy, and we're happy to do that. And heads up, listeners, you can call in today to give us your comments and thoughts about FUSIS. Just call 615-760-2000. Somebody is ready to talk with you. Now, Reverend Tucker, what concerns, referring to this clip we just heard, what concerns do you have about the lack of specificity in the existing policy we have? Well, again, um, when you talk about community policing, I see that from the community deciding how it will be policed. But in actuality, uh, again, back to George Orwell, it is the state telling you how it will police. That's a significant breakdown for um, these ideas of democracy and what it means to be a citizen 
and not get to weigh in and to say what we want or we don't want. So when you get it, I have to be able to trust fully that you're going to use it in that way. And again, I'm not saying that MMPD, I'm not even suggesting that they did anything nefarious per se intentionally. But um, I can't get past the fact that there was a law on the books that said you can't do this without it being public, and it was already put in place. Mm. Now, we got a question from Kelly on Twitter. She says, quote, I'm curious how at Freddie O'Connell, Dave Rosenberg, Tennessee, and all council members are balancing major privacy concerns with their desire to give MNPD Nashville more surveillance tools. This week, Ring announced that they will no longer turn over footage without subpoena or warrant if a private company has changed course in this due to privacy concerns and fear of lawsuits how can our city government feel comfortable with this folks who are being surveilled are not the ones opting in folks who choose to have surveillance equipment are opting in end quote what are your thoughts on that reverend tucker i think those are valid i think they're very valid and they're fundamental and oftentimes we miss the following why are we doing something and that there are enough folk involved. Um, again, there were not enough folk involved here. And she makes a valid point. I also read that where uh, Ring, and I was glad as a Ring user that to get my information, you can't just attach to my camera and take my information. You're going to have to go through the whole court process. Now, that's my rights toward privacy. So don't interpret that as my potential criminality. And sometimes it gets twisted in the storytelling that when you're pushing back, it's anti-police. It's not. It's fundamental to a democracy. How much say do we have in how we're going to be governed? We'll take one more short break. When we come back, we're going to open up the phone lines to hear your thoughts on FUSIS. You can call us at 615-760-2000. That's 615-760-2000. A lot of people have a lot of things to say. Or you can join the conversation by tweeting us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back with your calls. Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. We've been discussing the surveillance system FUSIS this hour. It's a technology that's reported to help police and authorities solve and prevent crime. MNPD already uses the tech in some capacity, but an increased contract would potentially unleash surveillance tech all over the city. Some Nashvilleans have a big problem with that. Minority communities say that they are already over-policed. What will ensure that FUSIS won't be won't exacerbate that problem? What about all the data that's stored? Will it remain private? What does it mean to have cameras or Big Brother watching? Those does the existing crime rate call for a breach in our privacy? If you have questions, and we know you do, now is the time to ask them. Call us at 615-760-2000. Again, that's 615-760-2000 to talk with my guests about your concerns or your excitement for FUSIS. My guests are Councilmember at Large Delicia Porterfield and Reverend Davy Tucker. Thank you both. 
for being with us now. I mean, when I think about it, the Patriot Act, it was the first of many changes to the surveillance laws across the country. Technology has increased tenfold since the act was passed. So how how can people feel comfortable living their lives when they are watched? Reverend Tucker, you talked about you have a ring camera. I personally don't trust ring cameras. How can how can we just live in our communities without becoming a suspect, according to some video or an algorithm? You know, even in my own usage, um, I have one on our uh, patio, but I turn it off when we're on the patio. Um, cause I, I don't want to inadvertently, I, my own limited knowledge of technology, but also what I see and see how it can be used. Um, at what points in my life can I have a reasonable expectation of privacy? Mm. Are we willing to just say that that no longer exists? Because I do live like I'm constantly being watched and and that is a um, cognizant decision that I make is that I am being watched, whether it's an encounter on the street, walking out of a store, driving down the street or whatever. Um, and that's so unfortunate. When I moved to town, someone told me Nashville is a small town where everyone knows everybody. If you're going to do something that you don't want anyone to know, don't do it. Not here in this town. Now, we have a call from John, who is in WeHo. John, thanks for t- being with us. What's your comment, my friend? Hi, Khalil. Uh, by the way, I call it Wedge Hood, not WeHo. Okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. Okay. Because we're cooler than you know all the other cities that have had those, those nicknames. I'm, I'm just first of all, uh, your panel's asking all the right questions, and and I think it is a very, it really is a nuanced discussion. Uh, I, I'm calling in just specifically because uh, in Wedgwood, Houston, last week there was an armed abduction. And I, I think it was on the news just a couple of days ago. Um, but I, I, I personally default to individuals should make their own decisions about what they release to anybody and make their own calls about what goes down in their neighborhood. Um, so, but at the same time, considering what just happened last week and even something that happened in my own neighborhood near the nations um, some years ago to my partner in her last trimester, she was, um, uh, held up and she dealt with two or three years of trauma after that. And so, um, you know, it hits home personally and, and, and where my business is too. But the specific point I wanted to make is, uh, after last week, what happened in Wedgwood, Houston, there was an immediate conversation among various business, business owners over there that, um, we need to do a better job of, of coordinating ourselves just on our own local level in our own neighborhood of, um, you know, not, not to be a police state neighborhood or anything like that, but just, you know, there's, there's things, it's a very, very busy neighborhood over there. And I've been there since before any of that stuff moved in, you know, the, the nightlife, but, um, there, you know, when something happens and something bad happens, then you start hearing about the 10 or 12 other things that you're surprised that your neighbors haven't even heard about some of this stuff. So I think, I think there's a balance. I, you know, I credit to the council for, um, you know, going through the process of, of getting people talking about it and getting more information. Um, but I, I think that I do think there's a balance. I think that individuals and neighborhoods can make their own decisions about this and just be better coordinated. It doesn't involve having to share data or anything, but just, you know, when something happens, 
talk about it. And I think that's that's if if people and if the council come on the side of we don't want fuses, I I think there is definitely a discussion to be had about coordinating people on some level. All right, thank you so much, John from Wedge Hood, for <laughs> for coming on with this comment. And that kind of we have a tweet that's related a little bit. It says from Ben Weddle says quote If we put in cameras in every home in Nashville, could we end domestic violence? Where's the line? Question. How do you answer that question, Councilmember Porterfield? Cameras don't stop a crime from happening. Cameras provide information after a crime has already happened. So uh, Pastor Tucker talked a little bit about his ring camera, and I'm with you, Khalil. I don't have any uh, any of that technology in my home. I don't even use Alexa. Um, just I don't, it doesn't make me feel comfortable. So I don't use any of that particular type of technology. Um, no judgment okay. to the people that use it, but that's not for me. Um, that's, I just, yeah. I understand. I understand. Let's go to a call. We've got Nicole from the Nations. Nicole, thanks for calling. What's your comment? Hi, thanks so much. Um, first of all, I want to say thank you to um, Council Member Porterfield and Pastor Tucker, um, particularly appreciate Pastor Tucker's comments about um, the fact that we're all just glossing over MNPD breaking the law when they originally set up this contract. Um, and I also appreciate his comments about data, because one thing we haven't seen throughout all of this conversation is any data on the effectiveness at preventing crime, um, because when people talk about crimes that have happened, like your previous caller, I am so like sympathetic to that, and I would never want anyone to experience violence. However, cameras don't prevent violence, as Councilmember Porterfield just said. Um, there's no, you know, indication that cameras would have prevented any of those terrible things. From happening. And so I worry that in an effort to try to prevent and stop crime, um, we lose sight of the fact that the tools that we're investing in are not designed to do that. Um, so just that would be my comment, and I would hope that the council would keep that in mind. Councilmember Porterfield, thank you so much, Nicole. Thanks for calling in, Nicole. Please make sure you email your council members so that we can uh, have that information. It is so critical that we hear from people in the community. And um, Twitter is like super X, whatever you call it. It's like super engaged. And I really appreciate everyone sharing their thoughts on social media. But we also have to make sure that those council members see um, see those things. And so we need people to come to the public hearing and speak up and share your thoughts and email council. And you can also share your thoughts here. Call us at 615-760-2000. We do have time for a couple more questions or comments. You know, one thing one thing that comes up to me as far as data. You know, we heard that, you know, they were going to have a vault for data in the in the 2-minute um spiel commercial, let's say that we heard from Fusis. I'm questioning is that data necessarily going to be secure? Are there provisions that the city can make that we can put into the contract that ensures that that data isn't sold at a later point from Fusis to a third-party company? That, and as well as, you know, your question, your comment and thought about the MNPD potentially using cameras who are linked up to Fusis 
at will without consent. I'm thinking about an emergency situation that happens where they have to go ahead and use these cameras footage. Those are just questions and thoughts that are coming into my mind. But we just got a tweet from Brett Kling that says, quote, I, I had caught so many crimes on my doorbell cam from drive-bys, drug shootings, car vandalism, car theft, and package theft. I got my package back one day, even published the faces of theirs as, as they attempted to get into my car. These cameras are detriment and have been useful for, to me. They're talking about crime cameras being used to prevent crime in certain situations. I think it's, a, it's an interesting topic. That we're talking about. Do cameras prevent crime? Do cameras not prevent crime? That is one particular topic. This other topic is, do we want to have an increased surveillance state here in Nashville? And is that something that the people actually want? Here's another quote tweet we got from Molly. Quote, what limitations are there for people who opt in? What if someone opts in and decides to place their camera in a way that a neighbor who did not opt in is being surveilled? Let me say this. Yes, sir. To the point of that person and the earlier comment about packages, what I hear is those are public safety issues that the public is concerned about. But those are not public safety issues that are part of our current policing ideology. Even now, the police do not come to most traffic accidents, but most people won't them to come because it sets up the arbitration of who is at fault. Well, they're not going to be aggressive on getting um, packages to lessen that. But I think what I'm hearing is what we have to reconcile as a community. They brought up packages because package theft is important to them. They brought up car break-ins because they're important to them. They brought up those things. But those cameras only really record those things. They don't stop them. They just record them, which might make the resolution of that case simpler. But then the issue of taking packages, what if that is an overall public concern? Fusis is on a lot of people's minds. Make sure that you contact your council member to let them know how you feel about it before they come into their vote. I want to thank everyone for calling. I want to thank my guests, council member at large, Delicia Porterfield and Reverend Davey Tucker Jr., pastor of Beach Creek Missionary Baptist Church, president of IMF. Thank you both for being with us today. Really appreciate it. Voting is on. The vote the Metro Council is going to have is on February 6th. The meeting is also on February 6th. Thanks to you for tuning this in this hour. This is Nashville is a production of Nashville Public Radio. Today's episode was produced by Elizabeth Burton. It was directed by our senior producer, Tasha A.F. Limley. Our board operator and technical director is Liv Lombardi. Magnolia McKay was on the phones. The masterminds behind our theme music are LaRange and Namir Blade. Elizabeth Burton also handed our live tweeting. Special thanks to Cynthia Abrams. You can listen back at thisisnashville.org or wherever you get your podcasts. And the conversation doesn't end here. Tweet us at This Is Nashville. Let us know what you want from our show by filling out our quick survey online. This is Nashville. I'm Khalil A. Colonna. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. And be good to each other.